All right. Good morning, everybody. Let's uh, get you back to your seats. Again, we'll say good morning to those who are online. My name is Sean. I'm one of the pastors on this team. It's great to have you here today. Uh, let me ask you, are you, are you surviving the, the cold? Are you, are you good? Everybody good? Anybody sad? Don't want the cold? Listen, let's put some things into perspective here. Uh, Edmonton this morning, minus 52. How many of you are glad you're not there? All right. So, I mean, come on. This is good. How many of you love living in Victoria now? All right, so like this is, this is a good thing. It's great to have you here today. Um, before I jump into um, our chat this morning, I just, I want to remind you like this year, our church turns 50 years old. Come on, somebody, give a hand for our church. It's a pretty cool opportunity actually for us. And so in coming to 50 for 50, last week I actually spoke a message that if you have not yet heard, I encourage you go to our YouTube page. You need to watch it because what it does is it begins to outline what we're looking at here in these next number of months, especially an initiative that we're calling 50 for 50. So if you weren't here, you want to hear it. But here is the gist of what is happening with 50 for 50. Because we are turning 50... So 50 years of existence here in our, you know, in the West Shore community, we would like to, for our birthday, give away $50,000 to our community. And so what we need you to do is hear it, catch it, because we need your participation. We need suggestions. We also will need your participation financially. But this prayer that wraps itself around is going to become essential for what we're about to do. But we wanted to do something because somebody 50 years ago thought about us as a church plant. They placed us here, and now we're saying for the next 50 years, what are the initiatives that we could bless and so that West Shore flourishes? Because how many of you know Jesus loves the West Shore? And he wants to do something strong here in the city. And so I'm encouraging you, go check it out. And you're going to hear more and more about this as we go. But it'll be a great opportunity for us to bless our community. You're 50 years old. Turn to your neighbor and say, you don't look 50 at all. All right, but... Uh... <laughs> How many of you felt really good when someone said that to you right now? Like, you know, it's like, it's been a long time. Anyway, uh, it's good. How many of you um, have ever been in a, in a car before? Anybody? Anybody been in a car? Uh, you may sound like it's, it's a crazy story, but perhaps you've also been a driver of a car. And as you sit in that car at your, at your steering wheel, right directly behind the steering wheel is this thing called a dashboard. Now, the dashboard is an interesting little read, right? Now, let me ask you the question. When you look at the dashboard, what's your favorite gauge? I mean, what's the one thing that you love the most to watch when it comes to you? Tell your neighbor. Go ahead. Just let them know what's the one gauge that you were like, oh, that's really interesting to me today. I mean, what would it, what would it be? And, and the intriguing part about the dashboard is that the dashboard is trying to communicate to you as a human being what you need to pay attention to for that piece of tin so that you could get from A to B. I mean, it is communicating to you saying, hey, listen, when the engine light comes on, don't just try to take a hammer to the thing, right? You need to do something different. When all of a sudden the thermometer is rising the way you don't need it to, you understand. There are things that it is communicating to you because it wants to tell you a plan. It is laying out a plan for you to take care of a, of a vehicle. 
And it's interesting today because when it comes to these, these dashboards that are here, I mean, I think probably my favorite gauge on the dashboard is the gas gauge. I, it's just the one I pay attention to the most. In fact, in my, in my house, I, I play a game with my son. And, and the game is see who can drive the car the longest before the other person fills it up with gas. And it, 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 it's a fantastic game. I'm trying to get him to pay, but anyway... Unfortunately, I think he's winning, and I know my daughter is just shortly on his heels, so we'll see what happens there, but it's the gas gauge. And, and so, like, this dashboard is telling you something about a piece of tin, about, a, about your car. And did you know today, though, that you, as a human being, you have a dashboard? Do you know that there are things about your life that need to be told, need to be seen? And what God wants to do is He wants to communicate to you what the dashboard is of your life. In fact, this is a tool that I have used for years in my own personal journey, so much so I've instituted it in our staff reviews that they have to, about twice a year, do a what I call a leadership dashboard, but for the sake of our conversation, a life dashboard, a human dashboard. And some of our staff love it, some of our staff hate it. And I don't care either way. They're going to do it because the dashboard is giving me a tell of their life. And in the same respect here today, God has a life dashboard for you. And what we want to do is we want to explore that today through this idea of plan. Somebody say plan. Now, as we're jumping into our brand new series, Plan, Purpose, and Posture, this last week in our 21 days of prayer and fasting, we have focused in on the plan. And day by day, we have been praying through things that God sees for your dashboard of life. And so today, we kind of want to take a look at what that is going to look like for us. And I want you to know today that God has an incredible plan for your life. Do you know that? Like seriously, God has an amazing plan for you. And the best part about this plan is that it's not one-dimensional. It is multi-dimensional. And he has things in store for you today. So we're going to explore that together by looking at the book of Ephesians chapter 2. Now, if you have your Bibles, you could read it there. If not, it is going to be on the screens as well for you today. But, but this is what it reads. And it says, as for you, you were dead. Somebody say dead. You were dead in your transgressions and sins. It says, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. And all of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. And like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Such an encouraging word of the Lord together today, is it not? You deserve wrath because you are dead. Turn to your neighbor. Say it, dead. Interesting. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Now let your word speak life to us today is what I pray. I ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. This morning I'm going to speak to us from the subject of but God. The theme of our church um, direction this year, not just for 2024, but in September, we launched a theme for our school year. And that kind of rides us through until, you know, next summertime. But the theme that we're looking at is being in Christ. Many people say, like, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, but their lives surely don't reflect it. 
And so what we were looking at is how can we help us understand this year of, of what it means to be followers of Christ? We landed in the book of Ephesians where we clearly see this phrase, in, in Christ. And so this idea of us being Jesus followers now flows into chapter 2 because we've spent our time in chapter 1 through the fall. And here we are now in chapter 2, and we're going to kind of unravel this new series called Plan, Purpose, and Posture. And through this series, we're going to teach off of these topics. And you'll notice that they are aligned to our 21 days of prayer and fasting. So last Monday, we began 21 days. And if you haven't yet participated, there is still time for you to jump in. These days are critical to the life of our church as we pray, as we fast, and we surrender things that have control even over our own lives. But we're giving these moments to God. We've learned that in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 that it is full of what is called orthodoxy. It's doctrine. But it's, it's Jesus kind of communicating to us, this is what it means to believe if you're going to be a follower of me. So we did a deep dive in the fall, but now we're turning to chapter 2, and in February we'll do um, chapter 3 as well. And here we go today on this idea of plan. So this whole entire last week, we have been praying through 21 days of prayer and fasting. We have looked at different things daily for you to be praying about. And I hope that you've been praying this over your life because, again, like I said, God's got a plan for you. And here are the things that you could do. So I mean, we've talked about your spiritual lives. We've talked about your emotional lives. We've talked and prayed about our intellectual lives. We even have been praying about your physical lives. Come on, somebody. 2024. We've even prayed about these things. Your vocations. We're praying about your family. All of these gauges that are on the dashboard of your life, God is wanting to do something greater and grandeur within it. And like I said, God has an incredible plan for you. But I got to tell you today, it's kind of like a bad news, good news scenario, to be quite honest. How many of you are bad news fans? Because we're going to do one of them first, right? Bad news people, all right. How many of you are good news people? All right, we're going to start with bad news. So this is the idea of what we're seeing. And it, and it just tells us in the text today, it started right away. It just said this, you are dead. Dead. Nothing. Nothing about you. You're dead. And the interesting part about Paul, who is our author, he is saying that you were dead. Notice the tense. The tense is, it's past. So he's saying you were dead. So what he's talking about right away is that there are some of us in this space today, and you have come to a faith in Jesus Christ, which is a very good thing. And because of our union to Jesus Christ, we have been raised to life. So you are no longer dead. But then I realized coming into this week that there are some of us perhaps in this space as well, and you don't have a relationship with Christ. And so the phrasing of this text will be, you are dead. And, and the thing that we think about when we think of dead is like, well, Sean, I'm not physically dead because I'm sitting here right now or I'm listening online. So what are you talking about? Well, this word dead is the word necros. And you'll notice that its definition is that you're a corpse or a dead body. And again, physically, we understand dead because this is something that we walk through in the pain and the turmoil of our lives with physical death. But the Apostle Paul is not speaking about physical death. He is speaking about spiritual death. What he is saying is that there is a deadness to our lives simply because we may have not submitted ourselves to Jesus Christ. 
The amazing part about this story is that it says all of us, every single one of us in this room, no one is exempt from what I'm about to say. It says all of us are dead. And it says there are two things that drive that in that text. The first one is trespasses, and the second one was sin. And it is because of our trespasses and sin that we are dead. And it's interesting because as I was preparing again for today, and I was, I was reminded of Jesus' prayer and how he told us how to pray. It's the, it's the prayer that goes, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's that one. And then it says, Forgive us our trespasses or our debts as we forgive those who trespass and maybe have debtors against us. See, Jesus is communicating. Now, Paul is emphasizing, listen, you all were dead because of trespasses and sin. And, and this is our story. Like, this is our origin story together. It actually goes back to a, a beautiful story in, in the book of, of Genesis, the very beginning of our Bible. In Genesis chapter 3, where Adam and Eve are hanging out in a garden, they decide to eat some fruit. A serpent shows up, and, and so does God. It's a little awkward of a situation because Adam and Eve chose not to listen to God. And in that moment, all of a sudden, this serpent thinks he's one, and then God shows up, and he has a better word. And this is what he says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. He says, listen, devil, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. Now let's leave this up there, because this is really important for what we're going to discuss here today. The very last statement that you see, you will strike his heel. He is speaking to the devil. And what he's saying is, you're going to strike my son, Jesus. Jesus is going to come to this earth, but you're going to strike his heel. And guess what, devil? You're going to kill him. You're going to kill Jesus. But you'll notice the words that are directly above it, because it says that he will crush your head. Now, what God is doing there is he's speaking about his son, Jesus. He's saying, even though he's going to kill you, you are going to resurrect and you are going to live. And thus we have in the beginning of the entire book, the gospel message given to us by God before Jesus even shows up, before Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John even write a story about him. We have the gospel story. And what the story reveals to us today is that God has a restoration plan for humanity. And so this is where we land today. So... Let me ask you, are you dead? Are there things about your life that are dead? And if you're curious to know, like, well, what does that mean for me today? This is what the Bible says about the ability of being dead. Perhaps you've noticed this about your life. You're blind. Or maybe you've been a slave to sin. Perhaps you are loving the dark spaces that you are doing your stuff in right now. You're sick. You're, you're lost. Or perhaps you were just under-submerged in the power of darkness. Have any of these descriptors described your story in your life? Because I know it has for me. And the reality is, is I have been dead. There have been things in me that have not been good. The only reason I have been dead and the moments where I feel that alienation from God even still today is because of a couple of things. And our text showed us it is because of our disobedience. And some of your translations will read, maybe it's your refusal. And your refusal to do what? To obey God. Like this is paramount to what Paul wants to communicate to us today. Is that it is our lives, because we are dead due to transgressions and sins, that you and I 
do not want to obey God. We will refuse what God wants for us because we think we know better than him. And in that moment, spiritual alienation begins to step in. And really what is deserved upon our lives, according to this text, is this word called wrath. Now, there are two things that you and I are really good at when it comes to this leading us towards a place of wrath or feeling like we're insufficient or shameful. And it says the number one thing is that when we begin to follow the patterns of the world, and some of us are really good at actually taking the principles of this world and elevating them above the kingdom of God and his rules for our lives. And so we get to this place of, I'd rather follow the world than actually do the hard things that Jesus tells me to do. And again, I've been guilty of this in my life. But the second thing it shows us in the text is that there is an enemy who is at play. And in the text, he was called the ruler of the air. Some translations will say the prince of the air. And his name is Satan. This is the devil. And he is at rule and he is at work. But you will notice quite interestingly, the phrase that he is given to his title. It says that he is the ruler of the air, he is the prince of the air, but notice that it does not say he is the king of the world. So although Satan has an ability to do some things in this world, he is still not king. And listen, I do not want to give too much credit to Satan, but I will tell you today that he is really good at what he does. He's crafty, he's sneaky, he knows what he's doing to get you to go to transgression and sin. He's really sneaky and allowing you to disobey God. He's really good at getting you to refuse the ways of God. And how do I know this today? Just take a look at your neighbor and there's the answer. Go ahead. And this is a hard one because our texts remind us that all of us were dead. This is the level playing field that we have today is that you and I have been prone to wander from God for such a long time because of our transgressions and our sins. And all God is saying today is I want you to be aware that you were once, you were once dead. Our text shows us that we'll look at the world and we'll look at the devil as options for our journey, for our life dashboards. But this world is the word cosmos. And cosmos is not talking about the physical state of, of the world. The word cosmos here means human society organizing itself without God. The text continues and it talks about our flesh or our, our cravings of our, our, of our man. It says that that is human nature trying to live apart from God. Have you noticed that our world is doing these things right now, trying to organize it. Perhaps today you are trying to organize your life without the presence of God. And this is intriguing for us today because even if you were to flip the page in your Bible, you go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. It says this, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. But these two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. I mean, this is the battle. Our flesh 
an enemy come into play and they want to take you away from the presence of God. Listen, folks, a dead man feels comfortable in his coffin. But if that person were to be made live again, they would instantly feel suffocated and uncomfortable. There would be a strong urge to escape that coffin and to step into the life, to leave all of that behind. And in the same way, what the Apostle Paul is saying to us today is that when you are spiritually dead, you are comfortable in your transgression and sin. So are you happy in your coffin is the question. Now, all of this is being said, and then we've, we've got the word that I want to share with you. It's a pretty bleak story so far, right? Are you excited that you came to church today so far? Like, I mean, you are dead. Transgression, sin, disobedience, refusal. You got a devil that's like breathing down your neck. I mean, the odds are stacked against this. Yet the words of the text, believe this or not, continue. And this is what it says in verse 4. And somebody say it with me. But God, but God, but God, because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, he made us alive with Christ. That even when we were dead in our transgressions and sins, it is by grace that, that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ, and he seated us with Jesus Christ in the heavenly realms. And say that last three words with me, in Christ Jesus. This is our theme for the year, and it shows itself again in our text. With all of that stuff that I just shared with you, and as discouraging as it was, these two simple words changed the trajectory of everything, and it is but God. And so this morning, let's talk about God's but. It says this, but God. Like, so rich in his mercy. Let that sink for a second. I don't deserve that. Why would he give that to me? But it says, but God, who is so rich in his mercy. Folks, do you want to know the plan of God for your life today? Here it is, five letters, one word. It's mercy. Mercy. That was God's plan for you. He wanted when you were distant, when you were alienated, when you didn't want to, he said, mercy. I'm going to give these people mercy. See, what this text begins to do suddenly for us, it is a movement scene. It is taking us from death to life. It's all about direction. The invitation to all of us here today is that you who are spiritually dead or you are alienated from God today, you can come alive today because of one thing. And Paul showed us this in chapter one of Ephesians. At the very end of it, he made this one connection and he pointed to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It would be the resurrection of Jesus Christ that although I deserved everything that was coming to me, it was the resurrection of Christ that would change the scope of my entire life. Do you remember moments ago I shared with us Genesis chapter 3 where it said that he, Jesus, will crush the devil's head. I'm here to tell you today that the devil is nothing more than a dog on a leash because Jesus has defeated death once and for all. In fact, Jesus' death certificate today allowed you to have a birth certificate. 
And that's good news for us today of what God has done, but God. And, and I want us to see, though, the contrast of the, of the verses that we've uh, pitted against each other here this morning. In verse 1, it was you, and you're dead. But over in verse 4, we've got but God, which is super good for us. How many of you are thankful for God and, and the but that he puts there in that moment? But it goes that we deserved wrath. You deserve to die. Like, this is the reality for all of us. We deserve death. But it says that God decided to give us his grace. Where we are disobedient, it says that he will give you his love. So these are the things about God which make sense for us today. And I'm so reminded of even Romans chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. It says that while we were still sinners, even Christ Jesus died for us. I don't deserve it. This is not something that belongs to me. But because of what Jesus has done by crushing that little serpent's head, I have this life and I can come alive in Jesus Christ. In fact, where wrath was supposed to be given to you and I today, this is what it says. Justice is God giving us what we deserve. Mercy is not is God not giving us what we deserve, but grace is giving us what we do not deserve. Can I be honest with you? This doesn't make sense to me. I don't deserve that. I deserve to be punished. I deserve... And I deserve a lot of things. And yet, here in this text today, Paul is like, folks, you've got to pay attention to this. You want to know what followership of Jesus is all about? You need to understand that but God, who is so rich in his mercy, decided to lavish on me a grace. Let me encourage you today that when you don't think you can anymore, guess what? God can. When you want to give up, God won't. If today you feel like you are dead, the invitation is that you can come to life because of what Jesus has done. And did you notice as well the past tense of these verses? We already talked about you were dead, but all of a sudden here, we are seeing that there is a past tense scenario again. It says that you have been made alive, you have been raised up, and you have been seated, all past tense, which shows us this. Who I was, I was dead in my sin, but who I am, I'm alive in Christ. And where am I? I stand seated with Jesus Christ in the heavenly realms. And I know some of you are thinking right now, well, Sean, I'm physically sitting in this chair right now, so I'm not in heaven. And you're correct. I mean, that is good wisdom here today. But this idea of being in Christ is, although we are not with him, I want you to see this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in See, Jesus is in heaven and he's seated already. He is king of this world. He is not rattled or shaken by the things of this world. He's not rattled or shaken by you and the things that you and I are going to do. He's seated, it says. He's not standing, panicking, and pacing. He is seated because it is a place of authority and supremacy. And while he is in heaven, our invitation is that once we were dead, we have now been made alive with Christ. And one day you will seat yourself with Jesus in heaven if you have relationship with him. But if not, right now, what Jesus is saying is, I want to take heaven's realities and I want to place them here on this earth and I'm going to do it through you. 
So we have this ability today to be seated with Christ. It is done. It is finished. Jesus is victorious. It's all because of love. I'm encouraging you today, be alive, be free. This is simply your inheritance today in your invitation to Jesus Christ. Does that excite anybody here today? But God, so rich in his mercy. Six verses, and then it's sealed with verse seven. And this is what it says. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Keep that verse there for us. What's the purpose? Well, remember I told you at the very beginning today, God has a plan. He's a plan for you. We have been told this morning that his plan is mercy. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it, but he gives it. Like this is how great he is and how cool he is. He gives it. And what he wants to do is he actually wants to place this mercy, grace, justice in your life. And here's why. He wants to show the world who he is through you. So all of a sudden, this whole scene shifts from God's plan of mercy to your life dashboard. So what God is now saying is, okay, so in all of these spheres of your life, are you showing me to this world? Are you allowing people to see who I am and what I've done in you so that others could know that freedom and that fullness as well? So this last week, I mean, we were praying over certain things like spiritual, the spiritual gauge of your dashboard. What does that look like for you in 2024? Like, what is God wanting to do, shape inside of you? What are the things that he's calling you to walk away from? The things that perhaps have been transgression and sin and submit it to him today. In our families, what does God want you to do? Have you been doing some things that are nonsense? Have you been loving even that sibling? that uncle, that aunt, that drives you nuts. Like, he's saying to us today, I want everything. Th this is not singular. It's holistic, and he's coming after the things of our heart and our lives. What about your intellect? Have you submitted that this year to Jesus? What does he want to do to grow you? What about your emotions? Have you noticed that we are in emotional chaos these days in our world? But do you know that that can come under submission to Jesus? Why? Because he's seated. He's chilling. He's like, I got you. I see you. I can do this with you. There are so many different pieces. And ultimately what Paul is trying to do with us is he is saying, listen, you're dead. Transgression and sin. Disobedience. And that's what this comes down to today is that in all of these areas, you know what God wants the most from us today? He wants our obedience, not our disobedience. Not you're like, oh God, that's not good for me right now. Or, yeah, God, this is so good right now and it's comfortable to me. I'm gonna do it and I know I shouldn't, but I'm gonna. He's looking for our obedience. 
Why? Because the world is waiting and watching to see your dashboard. They're looking to see how healthy you are and the followership of Jesus that you are to have. I'm here to tell you today that if you walk in obedience, your life will be satisfied. If you do not walk in obedience, your life will be unfulfilling. That's just the bottom line. But more than anything else today, please hear these words. That even when it's hard, listen to Jesus and do what he says, no matter what. That's hard. What is Jesus saying about your dashboard today? What are the things that you are holding tightly where he's saying, just release it? And I'll tell you, in this last week of 21 days of prayer and fasting, for me, God has been showing me some things about Sean Chapman. Let go, Sean. Give it to me. And it's hard. But will you listen to Jesus and do what he says, no matter what? When it comes to your dashboard, of all of those sections, spheres, does anyone here have all those things nailed down perfectly? Can you place your hand up, please? Because I would like to email you and have a good conversation about what you do because I need it for my life. Our text has indicated that because of our flesh, although you have been made alive with Christ, and we've got this fascination these days with zombies, right? And, and, and Christians, they're some of the best zombies I know. It's like you've been raised to Christ, but it's like, I want to get back in that grave. I actually want to go back to my coffin. I want to do what's comfortable to me. And we kind of reverse the curse here. But this idea here today is because of our flesh, I understand this about all of our journeys together. This is a process. And what I want you to do today is I want you to cut yourself some slack. Here's why. See, God is looking for your progression, not your perfection. He wants to see in you that you are submitting your stuff to him. He wants to see that you are striving towards him. Remember, listen to Jesus. Do what he says no matter what. Are you going to make mistakes in this? Yes, you are. Why? Because there is a world and a devil who's still running around. But we know today that because of God and his great mercy for us, we can have a differential in our lives. So, as you approach 2024, what are the plans for your dashboard? What are the things that you have to lay down before God so that He could shape in you the followership that He is looking for? And I hope that you will take that journey, that you will take that step today. And I'm encouraged because God has made us all alive in Christ. And today, you even may be dead in this space right now, but there's good news for you too today. You don't have to be anymore because God, in his great mercy and his incredible love, made us alive with Jesus Christ. Amen? Will you stand with me today? With all eyes closed in this place, I'm going to ask a question. But first a statement. You were dead. 
Maybe you are dead. Perhaps today there is transgression and sin that has settled into your camp. Perhaps you're walking in disobedience or you're just simply refusing to follow God. And you know what's going on. No one else may know, but God knows. Today, I think it would be a moment for you to walk in 2024 with this dashboard in play and this plan in play. Of God, what do you need for me to surrender now? What are the things of my heart that have been deceitful and sinful? In the Bible, it talks to us about this idea of repentance. I want you to know today that Jesus wants to forgive you. He will forgive you. But you got to make the move to him today. So with all eyes closed in this place, this is my question. Perhaps today are you struggling with transgression, sin, disobedience, refusal? And you would say, Sean, I need you to pray for me to walk into 2024. I want to set this new pattern. But if that's you today, will you just, will you raise your hand right where you stand? And just keep that hand raised. Several hands throughout this building today. Like, this is your moment. Don't miss it. He's looking for your obedience. That's it. And in his mercy, he'll give you his love. This is not a shame moment. This is a recognition moment. And he sees your progression right now. Jesus, you see the hands that are raised. The most important thing I could speak over my friends is let them see that you love them. There is no shame here. It is a recognition of saying, I've done stuff, but I need you to help me walk into this year. I thank you today, God, that you have a plan, and that plan is mercy. But then in the dashboard of my life, there are things that are holding me back. And I submit those things to you today, and I ask that you will help me to get to the space I need to be with you. I want to follow you. I want to give my life, and I want the world to be able to see in my life that you're alive. And so I pray that we would push back into that grave, those things, and we would stand resurrected, seated with Christ. And I ask today that you will bring grace in this story. Help us to submit to you is my prayer. In Jesus' name. And with every eye closed still, hands can come down. Perhaps you're in this space today and you have never submitted yourself to the one who crushed the enemy's head. His name is Jesus. It was God's restoration plan that in our separation, he would send his son to die on a cross who rose from the dead. And as we declared today, he is seated in heaven and we are in him there. But it comes through submitting our lives to Christ. Maybe you've never done that before today. So in this room, I'm going to look around again on the count of three. If you would like to accept Jesus as your Savior, as your King, it would be a privilege to lead you in that prayer today. So if that's you, uh, you will raise your hand. Look at me in the eyes, and then you can stick your hand back down. Uh, one, two, three. Is there anybody here in this place? I see you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. 
If you have raised your hand in that moment, just under your breath, repeat after me, Jesus, thank you today for making me get here. I thank you that you see me today. And more clearly, maybe today, I see you. I see that you love me. And I know that my sin has caused separation. But I give that to you today, and I ask you to forgive me. And in that forgiveness, Jesus, I know that I am made alive today. I'm no longer dead. And I pray that you will teach me what that journey looks like as we move forward. So today, I surrender to you. I'm thankful that you love me, and I accept you into my life. Come and be king. Have rulership in me. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, can we say thank you to those who said yes to Jesus today? For, for those of you that said yes to Jesus, on the screens you'll see, I need you to text the word life to 250-478-7113. We want a pastor to come alongside of you in that journey. It's one of the most important decisions you can make, but it's got some stuff to it. What does that look like? So we want to help you with that. If you are brand new today to Colwood Church, welcome. It's so good to have you here as we start this year together. I see that Pastor Levi and Jen are in the back there to welcome you to say hi. So make sure you go say hi to them. If you have not yet picked up your 21 days of prayer and fasting guide, there's still time to get on. I'm encouraging you to come. You could pick up a paper copy in the foyer or go to callwoodchurch.com, click on those links, Start praying with us this week and get yourself associated with 50 for 50. Church, we love you. Have a fantastic week. And First Steps lunch will begin in about 15 minutes. So if you're coming to lunch, have you here. Love you, church. Have a great week.